Man, what a powerful morning already. I hope what you saw today is as you step foot into the parking lot, you saw this space and place flooded with students and kids serving you from the street to the sea. We saw some phenomenal people on stage worshiping. Um, we have kids in production. We have kids serving all over. And it's, it's a powerful moment to see. I want to take you back to January. If you've been around since January, we had one word that was going to be our theme for the entire year. We had one word that was going to define everything we did for 2022. Quiz. Does anybody remember what that word is? Revival. Revival. All right. You guys are passing already. Great job, guys. Revival, um, an act of being renewed or revived, a renewing passion for God. And we took ground in January because we told God we wanted to see a huge move from him in this place, in this space like we've never seen before. And we're still holding on to that statement. Um, we talked about revival starts with you. Some of you guys walk around with merch that says revival starts with me. But I think we also have to understand that we can't expect something different this next year if we're doing the same thing. We can't expect something different. We can't expect this miraculous um, work of God if we're doing the same thing today in our personal lives. If we aren't giant slayers, we're not going to raise a generation to be giant slayers. Today in our personal lives, if we are not being followers of Jesus, we are not going to raise a generation to follow Jesus. And so today I'm excited. We're going to have a conversation. I truly believe that everyone in this space today sitting here, this conversation applies to you because I believe every season of life, if you're a parent to littles and you're just starting off your parenting journey, if you're a parent to teenagers, if you are a empty nester and you have a young adults who are no longer with you, um, if you're a mentor, even in your workplace, you're a leader, people are watching you. I believe every single one of you plays a part in raising and developing up the next generation. And I think as a parent, I'm a parent of four. Um, I feel the tension and I feel the weight of what my kids live in today. Um, and as a parent, a part of the church, and I think as a next-gen team, we're constantly looking at things and like, oh my gosh, what is going on? And so I kind of want you guys to feel the tension and sit in the weight of that. So I, we got some statistics to throw at you today. 24% um, of Gen Z strongly agree that what is morally right and wrong changes over time based on society. That's, that's kind of wild. P which means they don't know who they are. They're easily swayed by whatever culture, whatever social media is telling them, 24% of Gen Z. And when I say Gen Z, do you guys know that age? That's like nine to 24 to 25. I'm a millennial, how many millennials do we have here? Yeah, and then before millennials is Gen X. Miss Tanya is a, a Gen X, she's gonna come out here in a bit. She said we were Gen X because we didn't stand for nothing. Uh, so the next statistic, the next statistics we have for you is research suggests that Gen Z is the least religious generation the world has ever seen. Those who identify as atheist or agnostic has grown the most, 34% in 2016 and 39% in 2020. Um, they don't belong to, they feel like they can't find a community. They're easily swayed. They don't know who they are. So if you don't know who you are, you don't know who you belong to, right? And so then the last statistic I wanted to throw at you 
is um, 46% of Christian U.S. teens say they have never read the Bible, which is mind-blowing because if you don't read the Bible, you don't know what the Word of God says and how can you live your life. And so the conversation today, um, we're going to bring out some leaders. We're, we're going to talk to three specific leaders who lead out are in the trenches of next gen. But let me make mention, these are not the only leaders who are leading your students and children inside this house. We have close to 90 volunteers who serve every single week. Yes, please applaud them. So much time and energy and sweat and tears and just so much goes into what we do into our children's programming, into our youth programming and our young adults now that pops off once a month. There's so much time and energy that goes into that. Um, but I want to welcome our three, um, our three guests today who are going to welcome, welcome, I'm going to welcome on our panel to my TED talk today. So if you guys would give them a round of applause. Hello, guys. Welcome. Hello. Happy to be here. <laughs> so if you guys would kind of just introduce yourself, give us your name, the area that you serve, and because um, some of you guys serve in multiple areas, but the area that you serve and how long you've been serving. Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Derek. Uh, I serve on our branding team, but also our PS Youth team, uh, and I've been coming to Pro Street for eight years. Eight years eight from the years. beginning. Yeah. All right, Derek. Yeah, my name is Jared, and uh, my wife and I, we serve on our young adults ministry, um, and we've been part of this church for around seven years now, so it's been a, been a minute. Years. And I'm Tanya. I've been with the kids' ministry now for about seven years. But you've also done ministry for much longer than that. Yes. Can you tell us how long, Tanya, you this blows my mind, and this is why she's my mentor, and I love her so much. How long have you been in Kids Men, specifically? I love these guys because they give me so much credit for, like, just being old. <laughs> uh, so 25 years. When I got saved, when I was 22 years old, I right away jumped into Kids Ministry, and it's been my home and my inspiration um, ever since, actually became a teacher only because of the experience that I had in kid ministry. That's so good. And so, so today, you know, with lots of conversation, we, we work with students, kids, and young adults, and we're con one thing we're constantly asking ourselves is what could we do to be the most impactful to who we get to service, who we get to see, um, what can we do to make a difference in kids' lives? And... I think there was a lot of things that came out of that, but three main things that we're going to talk to you guys today about is um, the three Bs. So the first one is going to be becoming. And so when I mention these things, it's going to be becoming, belonging, and believing. And when we talk about these three things, we're not just talking about how this applies to students and kids. To be very honest, we have to ask our ourselves these personal questions like who am I becoming because you're becoming something every single day of your life whether you like it or not um, so who are you becoming who are you belonging to like who are you choosing to be associated with are you coming to church once a month every other Sunday H however that looks and then the last thing is like what are you actually believing it's one thing to say something it's another to live it out right um, so what are you believing? What are you filling your brain with? And so those are the three things that we're going to chat about today. And so from a next-gen perspective, we can just kind of jump into the conversation. Um, so who would you guys say the next-gen is becoming? So we're all, like, 
constantly becoming, right? We're, we're talking about this in the context of next gen, but we all, like, multi-generational, right? We're always becoming something. But kids are in a unique place in their formation, right? Because they're becoming whatever they're going to become yeah. uh, based on what they're seeing, right? This is actually how we... Um, and I bring this up, right, from my background of, like, teacher, child psychology, child development. Kids learn language through imitation, right? Yeah. They, they watch your mouth. They see the sounds that come out. They try to do it themselves. If you ever had a child or observed a child do that? Um, and their ability to hear the sounds actually determines whether or not they'll be able to form those words. Yeah. But it's interesting because it also impacts their ability to learn how to read, to make that letter-sound correspondence connection, right? So everything is constantly building on the thing that came before. And it's no different with spiritual formation. Yeah. But something that I've learned in all of my years of public education, right, 16 years, ministry 25 years, and parenting 27 years, is that being a kid is hard. Mm -hmm. Being a child is difficult. And part of that is just because they're looking for, well, what is the right thing to emulate? Um, I have restorative conversations with kids all the time because sometimes little children make mistakes at school. Um, I know, it's shocker, surprising. Shocker. It's shocking. It's shocking. <laughs> you don't expect it, but yet it happens about 25 times a day. Anyway, so <laughs> at some point in those conversations, I find myself asking, like, especially older kids, third, fourth, and fifth grade, they're old enough to answer this question, how do you want to show up right now? Who do you want to be? Do you want to be the kid that has to come to the principal's office all the time? I would prefer you come to show me something good that you did. Yeah. Can we do that, right? So it's difficult being a kid because they're looking for who they're going to emulate, right? The other thing that's difficult about being a child um, is that they're incredibly vulnerable, yeah. right? Um, kids have to be told, okay, it's time to eat, it's time to sleep. They're relying on us for those things, but they're also relying on us for cues. Is this okay? Is this not okay, right? Um, what do you guys think about that? So you're saying that they're not just looking to us to be a model, but they're looking to us for approval in their, their actions, right? Because they're saying that they're, they're looking upwards and saying, okay, what are what is the generation that's gone before me yeah. done, and how can I be just like them? It kind of reminds me of as a kid, you know, you, you write your heroes down. You write your dad or your, your mom or grandparents or maybe a superhero or, you know, Alan Iverson if you want to be a basketball player like me. <laughs> but, you know, you write these people down that you want to be, and so you're, you're trying to form your identity based off of external, you know, not necessarily who you are, but the, the influences in your life, right? For sure. I mean, and kids are relying on us to see that potential in them. Um, and this has always been the case. When you look at the relationship between Paul and Timothy in the Bible, right? Um, Paul meets this guy and his kid, essentially, and he sees this potential in him. Um, and he goes about reminding him everything that he's learned while he's been observing him and these people that have been teaching him. Um, and he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because, you know, these, those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. They're always going to be looking at us, and sometimes they're looking at us for what they don't want to be, right? Um, and, right. It, and it's a yeah. big charge. As a parent, mm -hmm. I think that's, um, or not even as a parent, but just anyone who has a nephew or a niece, I mean, we always say what's modeled is what will be lived. Well, they're trying to figure out who they are, and then when we model it wrong, um, they're learning wrong 
behaviors, they're, they're learning the wrong habits. But it also makes me appreciate that I choose to bring my kids to church, um, that I want them to come here because they have people um, aside from me and dad to model things that, you know, are a lot better than what I'm doing maybe at the time because I don't always get it right. Right. I mean, and I think that we have to recognize when there's a child in our lives or in a young person in our lives that may be needing that, yeah. right? Um, I think about Esther uh, in the Bible who didn't actually have a mom and a dad to help her through something. Um, if you look at the book of Esther in the Bible, and I've said this before, it's like the most scandalous book in the Bible. You should check it out. Um, but, but it is that it's like a novella. It reads like a novella. I'm actually not kidding. But um, this girl, it's a 14-year-old girl, um, growing up in a very hostile environment. She's been carried into exile into Persia. Um, and she's 14, and she gets married off to this king to do all the wifely things that a queen has to do. Um, and the only surviving relative she has is her cousin Mordecai. Um, and he kind of, and I say this before, it's like, it describes him kind of like sneaking around and talking to her through gates and whenever he can get to her to give her the advice that she needs essentially to stay alive, right? Wear this, say this, talk like this, you know? Um, and this is how she's surviving. And she's trusting him completely because he's kept her alive this long. Um, and I say that it's a hostile environment because I want us to also remember that our children are growing up in a relatively hostile environment, especially if we are teaching them the things of God. Um, but she's able, right, to hold on to this teaching and survive the situation because uh, she's been taught, right? It doesn't happen by chance. So she's in a situation where um, the Jewish people are under threat. And they're essentially going to slaughter all of them. And her uncle tells her, you're going to have to say something to this king. Which approaching the king at that time wasn't just like, hey, boss, like, that's not what it was, right? He could have just, like, had her thrown out and killed the way he did to the wife that she was replacing. And I laugh, but it's not funny. Um, it's not funny. <laughs> but it is. But I laugh. Um, so it was a dangerous thing for her to do. And he tells her, if you don't do it, somebody else will, right? But who knows that this is the very purpose of your life. And that is such a powerful thing that we could speak over our own children. Mm -hmm. Your life has a purpose. Like you've been made for something very, very specific. Mm -hmm. And you can't get there if you don't know God. Yeah. And I think too, like the important thing to remember is like everything speaks, right? Every action, every moment you have with, with uh, uh, the next generation, everything. And like you said, it's, it's the moments when we're there and we're not there. The moments where we feel like we missed the mark, that, that speaks as well, right? The things that we don't do speak just as loud as the things that we actually do. And um, I think it's, under, it's, it's important for us to understand, like, every moment matters, every encounter matters, everything that we do matters. Even when it's not verbal, there's, there's physical things that we do that uh, students can pick up on, and it's very easy for them to understand. And like you said, everything is learned, right? There, there wasn't something that they picked up just on their own. It's because they saw it modeled, right? Or there was something that was put over their life. So for me, like, the longest, for the longest time, I knew I was, like, not the most social person, but someone labeled me introverted, and so 
ever since that moment, I'm like, okay, now I'm introverted. Yeah. Yeah. And that's who I am. And that's, that's the box that I put myself in. But it wasn't until someone said that to me that I'm like, oh, I don't even know what that means, you know? Um, and I think if you even look back all the way in, in Genesis, right, you see Adam and Eve. They were, God created them. They were living a, an incredible life. God said, you can have all these things except for this tree. And that was it. But you can do everything else. Um, and they were, they were, there was nothing that they could hide from God. They were, they were just who they were. And it wasn't until the serpent came in and said, did, did God really say you couldn't have anything from this tree? Right? And from that moment, their identity shifted from, from who God called them to be now to the, what the world's called them to be. And in that, in that second, it's like now they've identified with this crowd, you know? Because in that moment, they forgot who God was. Right. He was their creator exactly. who loved them and would not have told them something that was not true. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So they forgot who he was, and they instantly forgot who they were. Yep. That's good. And I think, so we're talking about formation. We're always becoming something, whether we choose to or not. Um, and I think, which leads me to my next question, formation is really hard when you do it in isolation, when you do it by yourself. So my next question is, how is next gen seeking belonging how are they looking and uh, searching for that yeah I think I think when it comes to uh, where we belong where we belong drives who we become right if you look at like the community you're a part of show me your friends and I'll show you your future yeah. right like who are the five people that are closest to you you're more than likely going to end up like those people and so you have to evaluate one internally who am I spending the most time with but two who are the next generation spending the most time with because that's going to shape who we are and I, I think it's important that you know we understand that and we push forward and and push for students to be here every single moment that they can because it matters yeah. Right, you may see it as, oh, well, my students just missing Wednesdays. It's fine, like it's okay, or they're they're they're, they're tired. They don't want to be here on Sunday. Well, it's like no. Then they're gonna get into a position where you're wondering, like, well, how come my my child's acting up, or what's going on with this person? Not knowing that it's these little moments, day after day, week after week, that led up to this big thing, and you're thinking it's an overnight issue, but it's really been a few years that you haven't really set foot and said, hey, no, this is what's gonna happen, and. The, the, the beauty of, of us, right, is that we've lived longer than our next generation, so we have more wisdom through experience. And so uh, we can use that experience to be able to speak to the next generation. And I think it says very clearly, right, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character, right? Plain and simple. That's Paul talking to the church in Corinth, and he's saying, hey, man, there's no way that you can associate yourself and, and be in bad company and expect your character to be good. It's like, hey, you have to understand and be wise with these things. Yes, God's called us to be in the world, but he's also called us to not be of it. And we have to find that balance to be like, hey, it is, it is hard, right? And it's impossible to become like Christ when we, don't, when we belong to the wrong crowd. And it's true for, for young people and for children, but it's also true for us that are more mature. Exactly. We have to constantly keep the, our sort of conscious of what are we surrounding ourselves with? Who are we talking to? What are right. we allowing to pass the gates, right, of our brain and our thought process? Yes. Because formation does not, God willing, right? It never ends. Like, you're constantly being made like Christ. Right. None yeah. of us has arrived. Yeah, exactly. And mm -hmm. I think community is so important in your walk with God, right? We weren't created to live life alone. Um, if that were the case, it would have just been Adam, and he's, he's cool by himself. And that would have been the end of the story. Yeah. First, first book of the Bible, that's it. Like, 
just Adam's here and awesome. But no, God continued that because he understood that community is just as important as showing up on Sunday to church. It's, it's, it's just as important. The Monday through Saturday is just as important on Sunday. So I think what's cool about that Genesis story is God created you know, all these things, and they were all good, but it was not good that man should be alone. Right. He literally designed us for a community. Yep. So when we're talking about belonging and becoming our identity and the community that we're fashioning and forming around us, you look at even what you talked about as, as a, a youth growing up, we're looking upwards and outwards to see who, who can we model our life after, how can I be that person right. instead of, so we're basically trying to morph our character, our personality, um, and the world will try and put labels on that yeah. to basically say, hey, this is who you are, and this is actually how you're going to fit in. But when you look into a community like a church, our, our one label and identity is child of God, right. and that allows us to explore the uniqueness that God created us to be in a, in a context of doing that together. And when you do that in the context of, uh, of community, that's where spiritual formation gets to happen. Right. And now we get to pursue a, a right being, a good being, God, and through Jesus, and we get to do that together, and we get to lift each other up in the process. Yeah, exactly. Parenting hack. Don't ever leverage coming to church. Like, oh, you didn't do your homework? Well, we're not going to church. Don't ever do that. Because mm. that sets a dangerous precedent, right? Mm. Then it's like, well, if you're going to use it against me, right. mom, I'm going to use it against you. Yeah, wow. It's not negotiable. Unless you're sick or something has <laughs> fallen off, this, this, is, this is where we're at. This is, this is who we are. Yeah, not, this good. is what we do. Right? Yeah. yeah. And this I, is who we are. For even students, I have a middle schooler, high schooler. Um, a question had come up, and it, this is where it got real. Um, it's, what's the hardest part of being uh, in middle school and high school? And they could have said literally anything, and they said being a Christian. Mm. Being a Christian is literally, because then we're labeled like, oh, then, then you're racist. Oh, well, then you believe this. and you And they're like... We don't even want to say it because we're afraid of, like, the repercussions of it. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's hard. It yeah. is so hard. Yeah, I think, I think what's crazy, too, is, like, in a generation of, like, social media where we're supposed to feel the most connected, students feel the least connected, right? Like, we're supposed to um, have community, yet we're on our phones 24-7. Um, and that's, that's, not the, that's not the way it should be, right? It shouldn't. We shouldn't. Students shouldn't have Instagram as a thing that's forming their identity, yeah. right? That should not be the thing. Social media shouldn't play a part in who they become. TikTok shouldn't be telling them what's truth. We should be the ones that's telling them what's truth. And it's up to us, right? It's up to us to be the loudest voice in their life. If other things are, then we can't expect them to be like who we are if we're not the loudest, if we're not the first one cheering them on, if we're not the first one telling them good job, or if we're not the first one saying, hey, you tried, but you're going to get back up. Like, we have to be the voice that is, that is there for them no matter what. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, when it comes to labels, we have to remind them that it's not about who you are, it's about whose you are. And they're ch like Jared said, they're children of God. They're, they're created by our creator. And so what more could we do than to just live for him and to be able to share, share that to everyone that we can? And, I mean, it's a great commission, right, to make disciples, to tell everyone about Jesus. Well, that includes the next generation, not just the people in our generation, but the next generation because they're the ones up. They're next up. And who are we to just sit back and let them live their life? Like, no, we have to be the ones that are stepping up to be bold in our faith and not back down to what society says or to what this person or that person says, but to say, you know what? I've lived life long enough and I have my, my what I believe is true st stood in the Bible to be able to say this is what God says. Yeah. So I think it's important for us yeah. to be 
the loudest voice in the room. Yeah. And kids, students need different voices in different seasons of their life. Because me as a parent, I can tell my daughter the same thing over and over. But if Miss Mallory says But it. if Miss Mallory and her small group leader, <laughs> she comes to church and she tells her um, this literally the same thing. I'm like, oh, I've been saying that for five years. But okay. Now all of a sudden, Mallory's <laughs> the wisest person in her life. Which I'm okay with, though. That brings us to our third point, which is... It's okay because Mallory is in alignment with what her dad and I hold true, right? Our morals and values and our faith. It's, it's what is next gen believing. Um, yeah, so my next question is what, what do we think next gen is believing in this season of their life? Are they believing in anything? Are they believing anything? Um, anything and everything? I think, it's, um, I think it's cool if you look at a day like today as the church and you see, you know, from street to seat walking in, you see all the students taking over the church, literally saying like, no, hey, we're going to be the church today. We know the decisions that we're making and we're going to show up and serve wholeheartedly. After third service today, we're actually having baptisms and more than 20 kids are, are dedicating their life to Jesus in water baptism. And that is not something to be taking lightly. That, that shows you how, uh, how ready these kids are to make these strong decisions. Um, if you look in uh, the biblical context around Jesus' time, the first church, it's believed that a lot of the, uh, the, the ones that would have been the hands and feet of the ministry that would have built the first churches would have been middle school age and above. So when we look downwards on the next generation, we need to look with the lens of like, how can I lead and guide them to Jesus because they are ready to accept him. So I think one of the first things is they're ready to believe. They're ready to accept Jesus. We've, we've talked about it. They're growing up in a generation with more mental health issues, depression, anxiety, suicide on the rise, more access to technology and, and uh, interconnectivity in that way, but more disconnected in, in a new way that we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much so that they have access to so much truth out there. I'm going to put that in quotation. So yeah. much truth out there, that, uh, or at least just good ideas, or not even sometimes good ideas, ideas that are infiltrating their, their decision-making and their being and their, ultimately their identity when we know that that God has a totally different plan for them. So they, if they don't know what truth that they're going to stand on, they're going to fall for anything out there. And so I think that statistic in the beginning, tw- uh, one in four kids don't know if there's a real, like, one truth. It's right or wrong or it's moral or they don't understand if there's – it could change over time, which it's like, actually, we have God's word that says it doesn't change over time, that it is – he is who he says he is. There is hard truth that we can stand on. And then to take that to the next kind of part of that is we can live a good life when we stand firm on our belief in Jesus Christ. So these this next generation, they're looking for authentic faith. I think there's a cool statistic, specifically in the young adults context, that says, um, let me pull it up right here, nearly a third of millennials want nothing to do with the church, they believe it's unimportant, not relevant, and that God is absent from it, and then two-thirds of millennials believe that American churchgoers are all hypocrites, uh, with more than half believing it to be aggressive and critical, or seeing it as an exclusive country club. You look at this next generation, they can see right through like our Sunday mask. They want to see real authentic faith in this generation. And it takes this room of people, the people that are leading them, the, the young adults, the youth, the, the kids that you have in your life to show them that you can model a right faith and right standing with God. And I think you go into that story of, uh, of Daniel that really highlights it. But I mean, t- to really set it up, why, why is it that we want to follow Jesus? Why is it that the next generation looks at wanting to follow Jesus? Because it's not just a good idea, but you can live an abundant life in him. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it, how they're, they're getting prepared to go into the world. Mm-hmm. And in John 10, 10, it says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, specifically their faith, right? But Jesus has came so that they have, may have life and have it abundantly. How can we raise up this next generation to have an abundant life, to have true joy, to have true kindness, to true love, true peace, and a world riddled with anxiety? And so I think you look at Daniel's story. Um, Pastor Dustin actually had highlighted 
highlighted this um, about a year ago. So if you've been here for a while, it's going to kind of be a refresher. Um, but you look at Daniel and in 2 Kings 23.3, it's a king at that time, Josiah. He had basically made a covenant before the Lord. He's like, no, we're actually going to follow. We're going to follow God. And all of Israel, all the people at that time made, joined, in, joined him in that covenant. And so at that time, Daniel would have been like a youth, like mm-hmm. probably younger than youth. He might have been in PS Kids, right? Mm-hmm. And so... So you look at the story, you fast forward a few years, King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonians is, is taking territory for Babylon, which is basically, we look at Babylon as the world, sinful culture, pagan culture, the, the world that's trying to influence our kids. Um, but it said, so they, as they conquered the territory, they adopted youths into his courts to try and assimilate them by changing their name, changing their identity, changing who the heart of God was in them and trying to put the heart of the world into them. And it says in Daniel 8, 1, or 1.8, uh, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. He had made a decision. He wasn't too young to understand that decision. He knew who whose he was in God, and therefore he had a foundation of his identity, and he knew who his people were, and those are like-minded, uh, like-minded people that go after God. Yeah. So you look at this there's, this, there's this underlying theme that it is possible to live a faithful life surrounded by worldly influences if one sets their mind to serving the world or to serving the Lord wholeheartedly. Right. And us as in this room need to look to the next generation on how can we guide them to that personal encounter with Jesus Christ because they are ready for it. Yeah. So. yeah, that's good. And I, very good, Jared. And this isn't just for kids and students. This is for humans. Right. I mean, come on. Like, we're, we all struggle on our identity and who we are and who do we belong to, who do we fit in, and then ultimately, what do we believe? And um, I think as a church, we never want to be that cliche church just to say, oh, we, uh, we absolutely value the next gen. It's one thing to say something. It's another to be about it. And we as a next gen team get to see um, the big and small things yeah. um, behind closed doors that not a lot of you guys get to see. We get to see stories like um, Robert serves in kids. Robert's a senior in high school. Um, he could literally be anywhere else on a Sunday aside from third and fourth grade boys who are wild and crazy, but he chooses to show up every single week. We get to see stories like Hau, who's running stream right now, actually behind the camera. Um, Hau's been here since he was in third and fourth grade. We have been able to watch him grow from elementary to now high school. Um, and I think Tanya yeah. has a really like sweet story, which so, Hau probably doesn't even know. I, but. I probably scared him at groundbreaking because... <laughs> So we were at groundbreaking, if you guys remember, I think it was the, the prayer before we went, we had the actual event, and I... At the new building, yeah. Yeah, we were in the building, and we were praying, and we had, like, circled up. I don't know how many of us, like, the biggest circle you've ever seen, right? Um, and so, like, Faith was on this side, and I put my hand out like this. I didn't know who was next to me, but I was going to pray with them, right? Um, and I see somebody, like, walking super fast and stick out his hand. And I'm thinking that it's like, you know, a grown person, right? But it's this guy who was <laughs> in my class when he was in third or fourth grade. Um, and so in that moment, uh, I, I already said it, right, two decades worth of serving kids and their families. I had the opportunity to see um, the fruit of what we do, right? Yeah. Because he, he could have been anywhere. He could have prayed with his mom or his friends. But he ran up because he went to pray with his Sunday school teacher, right? Yeah. At our new church. Yeah. Because we're building things here, right? Including people. Uh, and I, there, is, there is no junior Holy Spirit. Derek just mentioned a little while ago um, the Great Commission, right? And so Jesus comes up. But he says, I'm going to send you a helper, right? And I don't know about you, but in my life, I have needed that helper <laughs> over and over again. 
And there's no junior version of that for our children. The same spirit of God that was there when the earth was formed Mm -hmm. wants to live in our children. Can you imagine that? We talk about how they're going to be the church of tomorrow. But when they walk into their classroom and the cafeteria and on the field to play baseball, they are the church. Yeah, that's good. So... Look around. As you see when you leave, when you see kids wearing a blue shirt, or if you see a child sitting next to you, they're the future. You're looking at future senators and doctors and pastors. Teachers. Um, teachers. So many more teachers. Um, they are the future. And I really hope it stirs in your heart, parent or not. What are, I hope it, you ask yourself, what am I modeling in my life? What am I doing day in and day out? because they are watching what you're doing. They are watching what we are doing. Um, and so, like I said, we get, to, we get to spend a lot of time and energy, and it's never about the what we do. It's always about the why. And so I want you guys to pay attention to the screen. We were able to capture some moments from some of our favorite little humans um, that had something pretty significant to say. Um, and, and we hope that you're encouraged And we hope that you know who you're becoming. We hope that you know who you belong to. And we hope that you truly believe that God is your savior and loving father and wants you to live that abundant life. Jesus is my savior. Jesus is my savior. Place of safety. Lord and savior. Jesus is is my father above everything else. When I am blank, Jesus is my husband. When I am afraid, I know that Jesus is next to me. When I'm in darkness, Jesus is my light. When I am sad, Jesus is my hope. When I am weak, Jesus is my strength. Uh, When I am down, Jesus is what lifts me up every time, no matter what. What is one lesson Jesus the Bible has taught? Um, the Bible has taught me that Jesus will be there for me whenever I need him. One lesson the Bible has taught me is to always love your neighbor. No matter what the world looks like and what my circumstances look like, that he's my hope and strength. Jesus has taught me to be strong through it all. Uh, one lesson easy is like you're never alone. You've always got someone in your corner just batting for you every time. I was alone consistently throughout the rest of my, like, my whole life, but uh, now I'm not. I have a community and all that is, is like because of this place and because of Jesus. I was just going through a really hard season and felt kind of hopeless that Jesus was that, that rock and that, um, that safe place. Jesus has been there for me in my hard times uh, when I was going through a lot of stuff. Uh, and I got really depressed and he was there to give me the strength and courage that I needed to get through it all. My grandpa has passed away recently and and Jesus has been there for me whenever I needed him. Amazing. Tell you the truth, when they first brought this idea to me on student takeover, I was like, I don't know about this one, boys and girls. I don't know about that. 
But I'll tell you, we are a church that is for the next generation. We believe in the next generation. I was in student ministry for nine years. Stuff I had to see and deal with, situations that children and, and students are walking through was crazy then. Uh, I don't know all the details now. Uh, I know our team does. Um, and, and it's crazy today, especially in a world that is even more complex. And um, yeah, I, I could go into some things that might be politically incorrect. But the reality is it's just complex. It's challenging today. There's so many people that are coming after our children's formation because if they can mess them up now, they'll have them for a lifetime. I always go back to the Playboy deal. Well, I probably shouldn't say that inside of Iran. But I go back to the magazine thing. That literally they don't advertise to adults, they advertise to uh, 8 to 12 years old because they can get them then, they can get them for a lifetime. And that's exactly what's happening to our children in this day and age, that these individuals of very elite class that have a compromised worldview, that their philosophies are completely contrary to biblical values, are coming after our children because they can get them now, they'll get them completely jacked up then and create whatever society they want that's contrary to biblical truth. So um, I'm not going to go into those details today. I'll confuse a bunch of people very quickly, but that's the reality. There's evil people that are coming after our children. That's why the church has to be involved. And I'll tell you, as a church, um, we, we're not trying to build a church that's a consumer-driven church. This isn't about you showing up and punching your card and walking out and you feel good about yourself. This is about you showing up with, op with ownership inside of the house. As you sit here today, it's I care about the next generation, so I'm willing to be in here and listen and, and care because we're owners in here, and owners give to the house, they serve inside of the house, they pray for the house, they invite people to the house, and then they live a life that represents the faith in which we live in. That's ownership, not consumerism. We just show up and do our thing and praise God, and we don't, we're not living this thing and caring about anything else. The next generation matters. So there's importance whenever you show up to work, you work hard, and then God blesses you with finances. So you say, man, I'm going to be a good steward with what God has placed in my hand. I'm going to be obedient with tithing so the church can be resourced to do what it needs to do for the next gen and doing building the next gen, you know, building the future of the house because we don't want to be irrelevant. We want to be a church that connects and communicates. Sometimes we can get into an ignorant, immature faith where it's got to be for us. It can be no, for nobody else. It's a trouble with the church world. I'm lecturing the church right now. I know, I get it. But if you're an owner inside of the house, you see beyond this moment, right? The Bible is real. It's holistic. It's big. It's a big picture. And the church is the body of Christ. And we are raising generations. We're a part of it and we're connected to it. And it's this beautiful thing that God is doing. So as you sit here today, I pray you're not like, oh, student takeover. I wish we were talking about something different, you know, whatever. Why do we do this? If you're a mature believer, you understand. And with that, let's roll. Let's build the church. If you're not and you're thinking about, why aren't we doing this? <laughs> There's a lot of other great churches in our city for you. Because we're going to be a church that connects to the next generation. We're going to do what's right when it's right at the right time for the right reasons. Because we're not, it's not just about you and your thing. This is about us and the church's thing, the bride of Christ, doing something that makes a difference in the city. And so come along for the journey. Be an owner inside of the house. Let's do something that makes a difference. The next generation matters. And uh, so uh, one thing I would add on top of this, maybe they didn't say it. The, the crazy thing is if you're in here, you're in a workplace today that there probably is a lot of young adults and or parents today that didn't get this formation, didn't get biblical formation. So they're living in the chaos. Well, you're in the mission field. Beautiful thing is, is that what they missed in formation 
you can now be a connection to it today in your workplace. Care for the person that is a family that is struggling, that is broken. Care for a young adult that's wiling out, like just got his first paycheck, making way too much money, doesn't know how to manage life, and care over that person to speak life into them. Say, man, there's something more than this right here comes in, you know, or they come in just hung over or whatever, running on the weekends. Hear it, see it, feel it. It's bigger than you. And care over them, love them. Because what we're doing is we're catching them now and we're, we're, we're empowering them now. But there's a lot of people in our world today that they didn't have this. And you, if you're hearing it, man, you could be there for people that are broken and point them back to them. Maybe they got kids today say, man, we got a great kids ministry, student ministry, young adult ministry at our church, man. Love for you to come be a part of it. Get them connected, right? Be on the mission field every time you walk out of these doors to connect people to faith. It may not even be this house. It may not even be our church. This ain't about Pearl Street Church. This is about the church, the body of Christ, the big seed, that people are connected to faith, that they're rooted in biblical truth, that we can see our world changed by the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to get all these kids to roll in. You know, there's a, a cool moment in time where Paul says, hey, he says to Timothy, don't forget that time that we, those hands were laid on you, and man, your life was changed, and God moved inside of your life. Don't, remit, don't forget that time. And we ain't, you know, we're not going to lay hands on all of our students in here today, but what we can do is pray over our students. Um, you have some, forma uh, some formation, some years inside of your life where you were, there's my baby girls. What's up, Brent Bear? That's awesome. First service, a kid yelled out, Daddy! I was like, is that my kid? And I was it's like one of those moments where you're not expecting it, but it catches you off guard. Uh, but we want to pray for our, our, our kids. We have authority in our mouth, and we believe in their future. Uh, we believe in what God has called them to do. The reality is we've all, we have all walked through these years, and somehow we made it. Somehow we're here today. Uh, we're, not, we're not too messed up, right? Some of you guys are, are kind of, but few of you guys are all right. Uh, praise God. And uh, the reality is we've had some of our own experiences. And with our experiences, we, we have some authority to pray over these children. Uh, some moments in time where you were vulnerable and somebody took advantage of you. You were in a, in a tough spot and, and you felt alone. There, there's experiences you have that now gives you authority to pray over these children. And so as much as they're cute up here, uh, as cute as they are, the devil has no, uh, has no, what's the right word? The devil has no, what is it? Mercy. What's some other good words for it? Reservations. There you go. Reservations. That's the word I think I'm looking for, reservation. The devil has no reservations. He's coming after our kids. So uh, the beautiful thing is he shows up in my house. He's going to get a loaded shotgun and... A praying father and mother, amen, right? So, <laughs> we're in Texas. Sorry if you're new to Texas. He's going to get a 9 millimeter and a 12 gauge. That's what you're going to find. And, uh, and a praying parent. And so let's pray over our children. So if you would, it's okay. It's all right. We're going to pray over you. All right, let's stand up to our feet. Let's pray over our children here today. And let's just lay some things up with authority in Jesus' name. God, we come to you, Lord, knowing the potential uh, of every single one of these young people inside of this room, whether they're kids, teenagers, or young adults, God. You got a plan. 
You formed and fashioned them in their mother's womb. And Lord, before they were ever born, you were already thinking about their future, the things in which they would do. So God, we just declare right now today, everything that you've designed, Father, that these children will say yes to it. They'll say yes to your plan. They'll say yes to your will. They'll say yes to your purposes. They'll say yes to your design, God, your destiny. And God, we just pray over the parents that are cultivating and molding and shaping, God, the chaos that may be going on in their lives, God. Father, I pray that you would deal with it. So the Father, the chaos ends with that generation. God, may we live in a space and be a church here today that God, this this self-control that is is lived out in our generation, God, would be the self-control that is lived out in the next. God, so, so what is lived before them, God, will be lived out through them. And God, I just pray, Lord, on this road and on the journey, God, of destiny and purpose and calling, that God, they are chasing you down every step of the way. So God, as you lead, that they would follow. Jesus, as you have spoken and as you've lived it, God, would they follow? Father, their design, their purpose, God. May they have the strength. God, may they have the fortitude. May they have the courage, God, to fight for the things of you. Fight for biblical principles, biblical values, God. Fight for truth and justice, God. Father, fight for the hurting and fight for the broken. May they not be trend followers, God, but may they be trendsetters. May they not be swayed by cultures, but may they rise up as giants in the middle of this culture. May they be the Daniels in a generation, unwavering, unswerving, God, and on point with what you've called them to do, God. We speak life, we speak blessing, we bring strength and courage over them. What you have formed, may it be lived. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says... Amen, and amen, and amen in the house here today. I told you, we got some crazy kids, which means they got some crazy parents. Amen. Me included. Amen. All right, Amanda, take us away. Hey, Hey guys, well, you can take a seat in the house really fast. I know we're going to get the kiddos out of here. I don't know about you, but I'm just getting like super emotional over there. As someone who is like wants to have children one day, I am just forever grateful and thankful for places like Pearl um, and just the community we have here to like raise our kids. And so I'm so excited uh, that my kiddos one day get to be a part of this community as well. Um, But guys, none of this happens without your generosity and giving. Um, So we'll have three ways that you can give here today. If it is your first time, in no way are we asking you to give. Hopefully this crazy chaotic service um, was our gift to you and you enjoyed it. Um, But if you call yourself an owner in the house, then you can give in these ways as well. But we did, as uh, we mentioned earlier, Josh, who was with me in the morning, um, he was a great graduate. He's graduating high school. So we want to take a moment to not only honor, you know, Josh, but any high school graduate. So if you are a high school graduate, can you stand up? Yeah. Yeah. You can stand. Anybody? Just Josh. Okay. Hey, give it for Josh one more time. Hey, but if you do know a high school graduate or maybe a college graduate, you know, anybody um, who is graduating, 
hey, just like give them a high five, give them some words of encouragement, a hug, you know, for their future because they're going to need it going into college or wherever they're going, (laughs) right? But a few announcements before we leave. Right outside in the foyer, there's a cool student takeover thing. You can go take some photos there. Um, But as they mentioned earlier in service, we have 20 plus kids, 20 plus kiddos getting baptized today. So if you want to come, yeah, can we give it up for that? That's like incredible. It's super incredible. And if you want to be a part of that, you can come celebrate with them. It's going to be after the third service, so 2.15-ish, right? That's about what time we're thinking. Uh, 2.15-ish, it's going to be in here. Just come back, and we're just going to rally around these kids getting baptized. It's going to be a whole party, and we want you to be a part of it. Um, But if not, Tuesday night, everyone say Tuesday night. Yes, it's church nights, all right? And we only have one church night a month, so you don't want to miss it. It's a great way to build community, um, to meet new people, and to get a little bit deeper into the word, okay? So we will see you all Tuesday night, right? Yes, there we are. But if not, we will see you next Sunday. Have a great rest of your week, guys.